Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on Believe, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. This is Believe. Every team, every topic, everywhere. I'm your host, Nara Wang. And for episode 95, Travis Reed, host of the Believe in UCLA show and former Bruins basketball player, is back to go over that disgraceful performance by the Trojans at the Coliseum against his squad from Westwood, and also discuss how SC Hoops is looking for the 2023-24 season. Travis, thanks for coming back on the Everything USC podcast during this Thanksgiving weekend, and try not to gloat too much about that football game. (laughs) Well, no, no, I I wouldn't gloat at all. No, no. I mean, you know, I thought that it was a Look, I'll be honest with you. I thought SC was just, you know, they didn't play. They didn't, they was devastated. And I just thought that UCLA came out ready to play. But the funny thing about this is that that means we're going to give Chip Kelly another three-year extension. And that I'm kind of iffy on. (laughs) Well, I'm glad we could do that for a chip at least. So, if again, (laughs) if you enjoy this Everything USC podcast, you can subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Apple. Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and more, or go right to our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network. For me, I am on X, or as I'm calling it, the artist, formerly known as Twitter, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Travis, if the people want to check out what you're up to, where do they go? Pretty much, you can follow me at Travis W. Reed on Instagram and Travis W. Reed on Facebook as well. Also, you know, you can check out my Believe in UCLA. It's on the same network as uh, my friend over here, my USC friend. Also, you can check out my Athlete's Journey, and you can also like, share, subscribe on Athlete's Journey. I put my YouTube page up in my profile on my Instagram. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online which remains the top spot for all your live betting action and contests. The only people that don't get time off this time of year are pro athletes and the good folks at Bet Online. With NFL, bowl season, and NBA in full swing over the holidays, Bet Online isn't taking a second off to make sure you have all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and info. Bet Online has all the sports wagering info available you need with both desktop and mobile access. Head there today to get in the action and remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Abysmal, brutal, catastrophic, dismal, I could keep going through the alphabet to find adjectives for the performance (laughs) that USC football put on to close out its regular season in a rivalry battle with the UCLA Bruins last Saturday at the Coliseum. But I think you get the point. The Trojans lost 38-20 to to a team that had scored seven points against Arizona State the previous week. But the usual poor defense and turnovers on offense doomed SC in the Crosstown Showdown 
as UCLA never trailed in the game. A fumble by Zachariah Branch inside the Trojans' 20-yard line in the first quarter was turned into a touchdown three plays later that put the Bruins up 14-0, and when Caleb Williams was intercepted by Devin Kirkwood on the next possession, it felt like the route was on. But SC managed to force a punt that was downed at the one-yard line, and the Trojans were able to move the ball out to the 24, and early in the second quarter, Williams hit Brendan Rice for a 74-yard TD pass that was pretty much the only highlight of the game. The score at halftime was 14-10 in favor of the Bruins, giving USC fans some hope that maybe there would be a spark coming out of the locker room. That was quickly extinguished as Dennis Lynch's kickoff went out of bounds and UCLA converted on five third downs on a drive that ended with a seven-yard TD catch by TJ Harden. An illegal block in the back penalty on Mario Williams on the ensuing kickoff put the Trojans at their own seven-yard line, and on the very first play of the drive, Marshawn Lloyd fumbles, and Alex Johnson picks it up and returns it 11 yards for another Bruins touchdown, and now the embarrassing blowout was truly on as the team from Westwood cruised to a 38-20 win from there and reclaim the victory bell. Travis Reed, did you expect the Trojans to look so terrible in this game versus their crosstown rivals, or did the ineptitude surprise even you? Well, no, I was actually shocked, you know, because if any Bruin fan watched the game against Arizona State, they couldn't score. They couldn't move the ball against Arizona State. They got a meaningless touchdown. The last two games against Arizona, which I don't think anybody wants to play right now, and Arizona State, was just awful. I thought that at least SC and Caleb was going to score enough to outscore because UCLA can't score. But like you said, when I saw it was like literally like fumble, touchdown, interception, touchdown, fumble again, touchdown. I was like, oh, yeah, they're not. I was like I said, I was shocked by the performance. And once again, USC gave another running back his career high. So that's I was kind of I was shocked by the performance. I knew the defense was terrible. SC's defense, but like, God, yeah. it was bad, and the offense couldn't make up for it. As the Bruins' defense was good, we knew that going in, but they held SC to 387 yards of total offense, despite the best efforts of Caleb Williams, who went 31 of 42, 384 yards, had a touchdown, did throw a pick, was sacked four times. Brendan Rice had the big game, eight catches, 147 yards, and the touchdown. Zachariah Branch had the fumble, did have five catches for 51 yards, a couple of kickoff returns for 52 yards. Marshawn Lloyd and Austin Jones just couldn't get it going as Essie could not muster a running attack. Lloyd just eight carries, 17 yards, that terrible fumble. He's been having some fumble issues. Austin Jones did score a touchdown but had just six yards on six carries. The Trojans go just four of 13 on third down conversions, and meanwhile, like you said, that horrific SC defense did not show up at all. Three sacks, but no takeaways, allowed the Bruins to get 354 yards, and really the big stat, they allowed 13 of 20 third down conversions by UCLA. That's crazy, (laughs) and Jalen Smith was the leader, I guess, on the day, six tackles, five of them solo, had the one sack, had a QB hurry. Christian Roland Wallace also had six tackles, half a sack, two pass breakups, but really no one to speak of showing up for USC on the defensive side of things. 
Like you said, TJ Harden, the career high, 142 yards on 22 carries, a touchdown, also added a touchdown catch uh, as part of his two receptions and 16 yards in the air. Ethan Garbers, the quarterback, 18 of 31, 155 yards. Not great, but did throw for three touchdowns. Logan Loya, the leading receiver, had nine catches for 60 yards. But out of nowhere, tight end Hudson Habermel, two touchdown catches, 29 yards total there. Terrence Ferguson added six catches, 60 yards, and a score. And on defense, we knew he was a stud. Layatu Latu, seven tackles, two sacks. I mean, Really just an embarrassing way to finish off the regular season for USC. And, Travis, this was likely the last game of Caleb Williams' college career. I doubt he's going to play in whatever bowl game USC gets assigned to. How hard do you think it is for a competitor like him to go out like that? I mean, obviously, I thought, you know, it's just an awful way to go. I think, and this is coming from a UCLA fan, that his coach let him down this year, you know, because... If you look at his stats, and they put them up on the screen during the game, last year, his Heisman campaign, he had like 3,700 yards passing, 40 touchdowns, three interceptions. This year, he had like 33 or 35, whatever it was, 3,500 yards passing, 40 touchdowns, and four interceptions. This is obviously before he threw one that game. And I just felt like the coach, you know, let his relationship with Alex Grinch blind him from the truth, which was the defense was horrific. And uh, like I said, it wasted Caleb's season because, you know, you take out the Notre Dame game, Caleb had another great year. Yeah, it is very disappointing for most SC followers, SC fans, to know that you had one of the great college quarterbacks of all time and you weren't really able to do what you thought you could do with a guy who's that talented. I think we're going to talk a little bit more about this in our next segment as we go over the whole season. But yeah, it's really disappointing to see a guy that talented and just not have the team around him to support him to get to the level that all of SC fans want to get to. So let me just get to uh, the prediction segment because my guest last week, Jared Sandler, USC alum, a broadcaster for the World Series champion Texas Rangers. So the players that we believed in, I took Marshawn Lloyd. And first he was going to go with Brendan Rice. But when I told him that Brendan Rice had been picked already five times by my guest this season, he decided to change it up and go with Deuce Robinson, the freshman receiver. And so he probably should have stuck with Brendan Rice because he would have won. Instead... I'm calling it basically no winner because Lloyd had those eight rushes, 17 yards, did catch the ball three times for 75 yards, but he lost the fumble. That was a scoop and score for UCLA. And then Robinson, four catches, 32 yards, nothing really meaningful. So basically no winner there in the game score. Maybe our USC fandom got to us, although come on, UCLA hadn't scored on anybody but against SC they get it done I had said it would be 38-34 USC Jared went 40-33 USC obviously we were both wrong and then in the prop bet Nara's no doubter was that USC would score on a return I probably should have just said someone will score on a return and I would have been right but nope the only return score was that fumble return touchdown by the Bruins Sandler's sure thing 
was that Brendan Rice would go over 47.5 yards receiving. He was correct. He had 147 yards receiving. And then he also threw in a couple of side prop bets. The not-so-sure thing was that no fumbles by Caleb Williams. He was also correct there. And then his kind of joke Sandler-sure thing was that there would be just under two and a half times Williams is not running for his life after two seconds on a drop back. So obviously he did run for his life quite a bit during the game as well. So after that, with Jared getting the one win in the predictions, the season total is that I lead my guests by just one. 11, 10, and 2 is the record I have so far. So we'll see what happens in the future bowl game, whatever that is going to be for USC. But Right down to the wire for the prediction segment this year. And this is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm Nara Wang. My guest today, former basketball player at UCLA and Long Beach State, Travis Reed, also a fellow host here on the Believe Network. If you enjoyed this show, subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you go for your favorite podcasts or to our website, Believe.com, B L E A V.com. On social media at Believe Network. For me, I am on X or Twitter or whatever you'd like to call it today at Narawang Sports, N A R A W E N G Sports. Travis, let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me at Travis W. Reed. That's R E E D, Travis W. on Instagram and also on Facebook, Travis W. Reed. Like they all said, you know, I'm also a host of Believe in UCLA on the same network as him. So, if you're looking for his Believe in SC, come check out Believe in UCLA. I got my new co-host, former UCLA player TJ Cummings. Also, at An Athlete's Journey is my other show on the Believe Network. And you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, Athlete's Journey, which is on my uh, Instagram page. This is Spencer Tillman, Fox Sports College Football Analyst and former Super Bowl champion with the San Francisco 49ers. You're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Network. Now, we're going to go over this USC regular season as the Trojans finished 7-5 and five overall, 5-4 five and four in the Pac-12, finishing unranked in the polls in Lincoln Riley's second season, ending the regular season with a three-game losing streak. It's the first three-game losing streak that Lincoln Riley has had in his head coaching career. Losses to rivals Notre Dame and UCLA, fellow future Big Ten cohorts Washington and Oregon, and a third straight defeat by Utah. It seems like a lot of SC fans, after last year being so excited about Lincoln Riley, are this year now turning on him. Is Riley really on a hot seat to you after this season, or is it just recency bias? I think it's recency bias. USC is not going to eat the contract. He has like eight more years left on his deal at $10 million a year. They're not going to eat $80 million. Even though Texas A&M just did it, USC is not Texas A&M. They're not doing that. And, yeah, like I think, to be, to be honest, it's probably weird to say, I think the team last year kind of overachieved with the, you know, 11-1 and ranking. And I think that this year – a lot of people, obviously, I was even one of them, I thought that SC would make it to the playoff. You know, I think they, they messed up on the scheduling. I think they backloaded their schedule way too hard. And if you notice, they played nine straight weeks in a row. Just like, you know, especially like look about the last games. It was just like hard game, hard game. You know, 
Oregon, Washington, Utah, you know, just like Arizona, like boom, 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 boom. You got to spread those out. <laughs> and like I said, I just, I, I I knew that when I saw SC play in the beginning of the year, I was like, defense is going to come back to bite them because you can't expect the offense to score 50 every game, you know, and give up 45. So, yeah, I think, like I said, it was a massive, massive disappointment because it was maybe a little bit over expectation. And like you said, the defense really came back to bite them on the second half of the season. And defensive coordinator Alex Grinch was fired after the loss to Washington. Everyone in the land of Troy is waiting to see who the next defensive coordinator is going to be. How important is that hire for Riley and USC? Oh, I can tell you it's extremely important because obviously, you know, me being, I'm a football fan, so I saw SC schedule next year, starting with LSU, you know, and then having to play Michigan and Penn State. I think that the defense is crucial. Defensive coordinator is crucial for not only recruits, but also like, you know, you're going to lose Caleb Williams. So I don't know unless he goes in the transfer portal and go get a quarterback or he tries to play somebody on the roster, they're not going to be as good as Caleb Williams. It's just not. So your defense is going to have to be a lot better to be able to stop teams, especially in the Big Ten. It's not even, you know, it's a whole other step up, I think, from the Pac-12. Even though the Pac-12 has had a tremendous season this year as their last year. Yeah, let's talk about Caleb Williams almost certainly turning pro. I don't know why he would come back. And he'll probably leave with somewhat of a mixed legacy. He follows up the Heisman Trophy winning campaign, throwing for 3,633 yards this season, 30 touchdowns to five interceptions, but added 11 touchdown runs. He never won the Pac-12, didn't make the college football playoff, didn't win a bowl game, and he's, like I said, unlikely to play in whatever bowl game USC goes to. How would you view Caleb Williams' two seasons at USC? I would view it as excited but also maybe a little bit of a disappointment like last year he took the world by storm and winning the Heisman and just being beyond the best quarterback he would have been the number one quarterback last year if he would have could have came out I think sometimes this year you know from what I saw it was kind of like he was like Michael Jordan before they start winning it was like Caleb Williams and USC it was always Caleb Williams the coach and SC where SC is so big that it should never be a player above the school. I mean, as great as Alabama's been or Georgia's been, they don't say Tua and Alabama or whoever, you know, it's always Alabama. And I think Caleb took all that pressure and, you know, and expectation, and sometimes it got a little loosey-goosey with the kind of holding the ball with the one hand running. And I don't know, I, I just think that, like, you know, He's a tremendous player, but he has a, he's going to have, definitely have to tighten it up before he goes to the pros. But I think he's a tremendous talent. And probably if you're going to go talent for talent, he's probably the most talented SC quarterback ever. But I, I still think Matt Liner is probably the best quarterback, SC quarterback ever, because essentially Matt Liner has a Heisman and should have had three national championships. I think I would agree with that assessment, and no matter what, Caleb Williams should still be the first pick probably in the NFL draft if an NFL team is smart because mm -hmm. he is super talented. He does have little things you can nitpick, the ball security, sometimes trying too much for the home run play, but the talent there 
is, I mean, the people saying take Drake May or anyone else is, I think they're nuts. But oh yeah, agree, agree. We gotta look at the defense. Kalen Bullock, who is the star of the defense, was an All American last year. He was named Second Team Midseason All American by the AP, but he fell apart in the last few games, just like the rest of the defense. There were instances of big plays throughout the season, but no consistency at all in making the basic plays needed to stop opponents. And tackling, which has been an issue for a while, is still an issue for the Trojans. So how much of the problems do you think that SC had on defense was on the coaching and how much is on the players? I think, you know, the players in college especially, I think they're going to run the system that the coach wants them to run. I would say if you want to put maybe 70, I say 70% on the coaching and then 30% on the players. Cause like people don't realize SC has NFL defense, you know, NFL defensive players, not NFL defense. I'm sorry. Like I think Barry Alexander is going to play in the NFL, you know, like the one that was all American. I think he's going to play in the NFL. They had some talent, but I think they were a little young at spots. And I just think that like whatever Alex Grinch system was, it just did not work. You know, like I just thought that the whole system was just, I was like, a lot of times he was kind of staying back in like a zone and teams would just pick him apart, just pick him down to point. Then he would blitz. The defense would have no lane, lane integrity. And quarterbacks would run for like 30 straight yards like that dude in Utah when he ran for a first down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And the craziest thing, which I knew Alex Grinch was going to get fired after that game, was against Washington. When the running back ran for 200 some yards and he never ran over 100 his whole career, when your offense scores 42 points and loses by double digits, you got to blame. That's coaching. You know, like I said, it's coaching integrity. Yeah, that's why I said this is so crucial for Lincoln to find a, a great defensive coordinator and probably even a special teams guy, too, because. Yeah, he doesn't want to hire a special teams coordinator for some reason. He he needs to have that extra analyst or extra whatever coach. He doesn't want a special teams coach. I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, look at us. Like, this is true. UCLA's defense was horrific over the years, right? One year, one year, the new defensive coordinator come in, and they're one of the top defenses in the Pac-12, you know? Now, granted, obviously, they got some, some players. That's going to be first round picks, but one defensive coordinator and change the whole mindset of a program on defense anyway. And so like he needs to pick somebody who, you know what I'm saying? Like who knows how to play, like I said, like a, a great coach that teaches them how to tackle first, hit second, tackle, then hit. <laughs> so the Trojans are headed to a ball that is still to be determined, but looking like probably either the Holiday Bowl or the Las Vegas Bowl. Is there any reason for USC fans to get excited about a bowl, especially if Caleb Williams isn't going to be playing in it? Yeah, I mean, you know, if Caleb Williams doesn't play, you can see what the new quarterback could be next year. And that's probably be the only thing. I mean, obviously with Caleb going pro, I think you get a chance to see if the number one player in the country last year, I can't think of his name, the true freshman Malachi Nelson, who's getting a redshirt year, but he might get to play because you're allowed to play up to four times without, yeah. you know, getting your redshirt taken away. And then Miller Moss, who was a four-star recruit himself and has been the understudy, 
behind Caleb Williams. So we'll see if, yeah, if they give those two guys a chance to see what they can do heading into the offseason. But I don't know that you'll get a lot of fans who want to travel, although granted San Diego and Las Vegas would not be far (laughs) destinations to go to. We'll see what happens there. But finally, what do you think the future looks like for USC football as it heads into the Big Ten along with UCLA and Oregon and Washington next season? Well, here's what I think. He has to recruit, obviously, offensive and defensive lines. They both have to be a lot better. Essentially, he recruited all the outside players, all the skilled players, and no sauce in the middle. Football is, you know, similar to basketball. It's very simple. Like, if you have a dominant defensive line and a dominant offensive line, you're going to win games. And both of his lines were awful. I've never seen the coach have in in Oklahoma have terrible. Like, he's always had great offensive lines in Oklahoma. So this year, the fact that, you know, the offensive line was terrible in stints, I, I was kind of shocked by that. So, look, if you can't beat Utah, you will never beat Michigan because Michigan is a, a better Utah. You know what I'm saying? More talented of a Utah. If you can't beat Oregon, you'll never beat Ohio State, you know, because Ohio State is a more talented Oregon. Now, I think that, you know, UCLA is going to get beat a lot in the Big Ten you know, or Big 14 now <laughs> next year. But I think well, they already have 14. It's going to be the Big 18. Yeah, Big 18. I'm sorry. Yeah, dude. I don't know why they call it the Big 10. It doesn't make any sense, but whatever. They don't believe in math out there in the Midwest, Travis. <laughs> so, so I, gotta make it, I was like, you're the Big 10, but you call it, you have 15 team. It don't make any sense. They like the brand name. They don't care about actual accuracy out there. Yeah, I think what SC is going to have to do is really uh, start recruiting in the trenches. And like I said, getting a better defensive coordinator. Because, you know, like I said, the the competition level, think about the schedule what could be. And this could be consecutive weeks. They could play Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Oregon, and Washington, those five teams, maybe in a row. Obviously, it won't be in a row. But let's just – and Notre Dame. That could be – you know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to be insane for SC and both UCLA and SC next year. So, I just hope that – Lincoln Riley is up to the task because the level is going to be a step up. It'll be a super step up. This is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm Nara Wang, my guest today, host of the Believe in UCLA show and athletes journey on the Believe Network and also former Bruins and Long Beach State basketball player Travis Reed. If you enjoy, subscribe, download, and rate the show wherever you go to get your favorite podcasts or directly at our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network. For me, I am on X, the artist formerly known as Twitter, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Travis, where do the people go to catch up with everything you're up to? You can follow me at Travis W. Reed. That's R-E-E-D, Travis W on Instagram, and Travis W. Reed on Facebook. I pretty much post all my social media on both those pages. I have my Believe in UCLA show. It's also on Believe Network, the same as yours, and an athlete's journey as well on Believe Network. Also, you know, Spotify, iHeartRadio, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And also, you can follow an athlete's journey. You can watch it on YouTube as well. I have my YouTube channel up. Please like, share, subscribe, and you can find that on my Instagram page. 
Hi, this is Mike Yam, studio host for Pac-12 Radio on Sirius XM Radio, and you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Dara Wang on Believe. Now for the final segment, I'm going to go over the USC men's basketball season here with Travis Reed, and we are recording this on a Friday afternoon, shortly after USC fell 72-70 to Oklahoma in the championship game of the Rady Children's Invitational down in La Jolla. And so SC is now started off the season 4-2, and two, wins over Kansas State in the season opener in Las Vegas, Cal State Bakersfield and Brown at home, and Seton Hall yesterday on Thanksgiving in the first round of the Rady Children's Invitational Tournament with the losses coming to UC Irvine at home, a game in which Boogie Ellis and Kobe Johnson did not play, and then, of course, Oklahoma today. The Trojans were picked to finish second in the Pac-12 by the media, behind Arizona and ahead of UCLA, and they're ranked 23rd by the AP currently, although they will probably drop out after losing to Oklahoma, and they started 21st in the preseason poll. Drew Peterson one of the stars of the team in the last couple of years lost to graduation. Reese Dixon Waters transferred to San Diego State while Trey White moved on to Louisville. So they return starters Boogie Ellis, Kobe Johnson, and Joshua Morgan. And bench contributors Vincent Iwachukwu, Oziah Sellers, Harrison Hornery, and Kajani Wright. And of course, they added the number three recruiting class in 2023, according to 24-7 Sports with five-star point guard Isaiah Collier, the number one recruit in the nation this year, his high school teammate from Georgia, four-star center Arrington Page, another four-star recruit in Bronny James, the son of the Los Angeles Laker LeBron James, three-star forward Brandon Gardner out of New York, and Washington State transfer DJ Rodman, son of the Basketball Hall of Famer Dennis Rodman. But of course, as most people know, Bronny James collapsed, suffered a cardiac arrest in a July workout, and is still awaiting clearance to ramp up his basketball activities. And that was one year after Iwachukwu also had cardiac arrest during a team workout. So certainly some bad timing, bad coincidence in that regard for USC basketball. But after the first six games of the season, Travis... How are the Trojans looking to you? Well, I knew they were going to be ranked pretty high because obviously they had some good players coming back. Kind of shocked me. I was shocked that Boogie came back. I thought he would go pro. But yeah, I think that like, you know, obviously Isaiah Collar is just ridiculous. You know, I watched him in high school last year. I was like, no, he's the real deal. And obviously Bronny James, if he can come back, I think he can contribute. Dennis Rodman's son is pretty good. He can shoot it. And so I knew they had some talent. What I know, like, in these kind of situations, these tournaments where you're playing, like, three games in three days or two games in three days, whatever the case is, it's kind of like the NCAA tournament, which you play, like, just, like, three straight hard games or whatever the case is. For UCLA, it's kind of the same thing. They were in the Maui Invitational. They started with number five team in the country, Marquette, and lost to them by two points. And then they beat Chaminade. The next day, then they had to play number 11, Gonzaga, and they lost to them by four. So it's a good way to kind of see Who's going to be your, you know, your better players? Who can you depend on? Because coach is going to play all the players in the beginning. And then he'll see, okay, this guy can't play for me. You know, he's an eighth guy, ninth guy. This is when, like, honestly, you're developing your bench. 
the starters are the starters, most likely, unless somebody comes out of nowhere and becomes a starter. But, like, you want to see what your bench players are going to help you in these kind of big, big games, close, out of conference. And, like I said, for SC, I think that, like I said, they have a mess load of talent. It's just going to depend on how coach messages go all together. Isaiah Collier, he's already been named Pac-12 Freshman of the Week twice. Looks as good as advertised. He does. Have a bit of an issue right now with turning the ball over. Some of his maybe just pressing too hard or trying to get to learn how to deliver passes to the guys in the ways that they like it. Had six turnovers today in the game against Oklahoma. But what is it about Collier that makes him so good? Because like you said, you can just watch him and you know this guy's going to be a one and done top five pick in the NBA. Well, what I've noticed is he's, you know, obviously he's strong, a strong guard. He's not a frail kind of like, you know, he's a strong, powerful guard, and he can handle the bumping and the grinding of the cottage game. That is the biggest thing, you know, the physicalness and the speed are the two biggest differences between high school and college when I was growing up, and that's similar. If you can handle the physicalness, which he can, I think that the turnovers will, you know, obviously go down as the season goes forward. Because the coaches make him watch tape. He'll see how he's doing this, doing that, good, bad. And I think I agree with you 100%. I think he'll be a top five pick, top 10 pick, you know, because he's a strong guard. He can handle the, you know, pressure. He's going to make freshman turnovers because that's what freshmen do. But he's the real deal. Like I said, when I, the first game I saw it, I saw it in the first like 10 minutes. Oh, no, he's good as advertised, you know, so. <laughs> Uh, and you can, that's how you, that's how fast you can see it with, you know, players like him. You know, you see it in the first five, 10 minutes of the game. And when you look at this USC roster top to bottom, do you think this is the deepest team Andy Enfield has had in his 11 years as the head coach of the Trojans? I mean, there have been some big stars, obviously, with the Mobley brothers, Onyeka Okongwu, but top to bottom, is there maybe more depth on this team? Well, I think, you know, this year's team has a lot of depth. I think that's, a, you know, a good thing. But obviously the bad thing about it is finding the time for everybody. There's only one team I've ever seen that was like a, a depth where the coach plays nine guys, 12 minutes. That's Florida State. Florida State always has like, he plays nine, 10 guys, like 12 to 15 minutes. With USC, you know, as great as depth as it is, I don't know if he's going to be doing that. I don't think he's going to be doing that. So it's going to be interesting to see how the depth chart because on paper yes but paper reality is two different things so by the end you'll be down to a seven eight minute rotation by the end of the year and especially we'll have to see if Bronny james can come back and play because he will add a dimension of outside shooting and some toughness on defense to the squad as well so what are your expectations for this trojan squad do you think they live up to that second in the pack 12 billing that the media gave them yeah i mean i think like i said the coach can recruit so he always has a talented team it's just bringing them together i believe you know you never know but i think i believe they're 20 plus win team this year but you know on paper is one thing and playing the games is another but i mean as far as talent wise there's arizona and then there's kind of everybody else is in that mix you know what i'm saying so it could be ucla it could be sc it could be oregon it's Arizona on top and then, like I said, everybody else. But they definitely have the talent and the coaching to, to really, you know. I said, you know, UCLA will win about 20, 
I said 25 games this year. I think SC can run the same around 20, let's say 24 to 27 in between them. USC trying to win 20 games for a fifth consecutive season and make the NCAA tournament for a fourth straight year. And looking at the rest of the schedule for the Trojans, they've got Eastern Washington at home next. Then they go back to Las Vegas on December 2nd to face Gonzaga, back home against Long Beach State, and then a road trip out to play Auburn in mid-December, and Alabama State. Alabama State came out last year, now SC makes the return trip this year, and then they'll get into the Pac-12 schedule at the end of December, starting off with a road trip to the Oregon schools, then Cal, Stanford, Washington State at home, a road trip to Colorado and the Arizona schools, then UCLA and the Oregon schools at home, at the Bay Area schools, home against the Mountain schools, Utah and Colorado, at UCLA and the Washington schools before finishing off the regular season at home with the Arizona schools. So having to face Arizona twice, obviously playing UCLA twice and Oregon twice, it's not going to be an easy Pac-12 schedule for the USC Trojans, but obviously expectations are pretty high with the talent that's on this team, and SC has been good in recent years, and for them to get in the tournament, I think, is the least that needs to happen, obviously, for the expectations with this team, but is this a team that you think can actually contend in the big dance and make a run like they did a couple of years ago? I believe so. You know, once you get in the tournament, it's kind of a crapshoot because you just never know, obviously. I mean, Purdue was my bracket buster last year. I had Purdue going to at least to the Sweet 16. They ended up losing to the 16th seed. And I was just like, oh, my God. You know, so, uh, you know, in the tournament, it's kind of a crapshoot. But I think, you know, SC has enough talent to really – you know, really go far. I mean, if you get to the second weekend of the tournament, then you're really cooking, you know, really cooking some good. So I think they have the talent to get to the second weekend. And then once you get the second weekend, you know, you never know. But like I said, obviously it's a long way away, but I think they have the talent to really make some noise. And, you know, also bracketology. If SC can go against, you know, somebody maybe get upset, they go against an easy team the first game, somebody gets upset the second game, you just never know. But if they have to go, let's just say, first, like an 8-9 matchup, they go against Kentucky, and then they have to go against Kansas as a 1, uh, you know. So I would think that they should be maybe a 3 seed, you know, something like that. 27 wins get you a 3 seed in the Pac-12. So it's going to be up to the Trojans to try and get through the gauntlet of the Pac-12, and they can make their name with some more good non-conference games against Gonzaga and Auburn. Those would be good wins if USC can get them, but again, that means you've got to get them. They had an opportunity today against Oklahoma, didn't get it done in a non-conference tournament setting there, so we'll see what happens there. And of course, SC has dealt with some injuries, obviously no Bronny James so far. Boogie Ellis and Kobe Johnson have missed a little bit of time at the start of this season, and that cost them that game against UC Irvine, which you can't really be losing to UC Irvine and expecting to help your resume that way. And we'll see. It looks like he's settled into a starting lineup of Boogie Ellis, Isaiah Collier, Kobe Johnson, DJ Rodman, 
and Joshua Morgan. And also should give props to Joshua Morgan in yesterday's game against Seton Hall. Set a school record with 10 blocks in that game. His career high as well. Former Long Beach State player. Played there his freshman year before transferring to USC. So the combination of whether SC can score enough and defend enough. Some of the issues, again, turnovers, giving up offensive rebounds. That's what cost them in the end against Oklahoma today. And they let Oklahoma shoot a ridiculous percentage from three-point as well. So there's still things to work out with this Trojans team, but excited to see what happens. And I think I know what you're going to say here, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Who has the better record, USC or UCLA, at the end of the season? <laughs> oh, you know, you know you're going to have a better record. You got the, We got the better coach, UCLA. Oh. You know? <laughs> you guys, I, I will be honest. You guys have more talent. You guys have more talent. We got the better coach, though. I think most people would probably agree with that assessment of it. But <laughs> Travis, always great to have you on to talk about the rivalry between our schools, UCLA and USC. No, definitely, I definitely, you know, appreciate you know you inviting me. I probably will invite you when uh, on when SC plays UCLA in basketball, just so I can. You know, make you wear a UCLA jersey or something. You know, on the <laughs> on the podcast with UCLA win. So definitely appreciate you inviting me. For my guests, former UCLA and Long Beach State hoop star and fellow Believe host Travis Reed, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 95 of the Everything USC podcast presented by Bet Online on Believe, the place to find a sports and pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. This is Believe, every team, every topic, everywhere. And as always, I end the show by telling all of you to remember to fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.